uh, growing up, I really enjoyed watching, yeah, detective movies and shows, shows where they would try to solve, you know, different mysteries surrounding crimes and things along those lines, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, by show of hands, who in here remembers Dick Tracy? Anybody remember Dick Tracy? Nobody else remembers Dick Tracy? Some of y'all might be like, how I know about Dick Tracy, probably. <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I wanted that yellow trench coat and that yellow hat. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and I would be around the house, you know what I'm saying, trying to beat Dick Tracy around the house, trying to solve crime and things along those lines. Or what, what about Inspector Gadget? Anybody remember Inspector Gadget? Oh, okay, we got most of the hands raised on that one. Man, I love, yo, I used to love Inspector Gadget. Uh, so for some of you who may not know, this was a cartoon uh, back in the day that they made a couple of movies out of. Um, Inspector Gadget had all of this high-tech equipment. Y'all remember he had all this high-tech equipment he used to solve crime and things along those lines. But even with the high-tech like, equipment he had, sometimes Inspector Gadget would just be struggling, man. He would just be struggling uh, to either solve crime, and sometimes you'll be watching and you'll be like, man, how is he going to get out of this? Or, or, or how is he going to solve this mystery? Um, and then, Lord and behold, he would use some of his high-tech gear, and y'all remember what he would say? He'd be like, go, go, gadget, watch. Y'all remember that? <laughs> or go, go, gadget, hands. And then, uh, man, when he would say, go, go, gadget, hands, all of a sudden, like, out of his hat that he would be wearing, his inspector gadget hat, detective hat, these mechanical hands would come out, uh, and when they came out, they would provide him with useful tools for him to be able to solve particular mysteries and crimes. And so I, I just really love the, the mystery-solving aspect uh, and the crime-solving aspect of these movies and shows. So our passage this evening uh, talks a lot about an even greater mystery an even greater mystery, one that Dick Tracy or Inspector Gadget could never solve. So let's start to look at that now. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 6 is where we'll be this evening as we uh, continue in our sermon series through the book of Ephesians. And as you turn there, let me ask God for his help. Father, uh, yeah, I need your help. I need uh, you to do what you do best and do what only you can do in this time. Glorify your son. Glorify him in the preaching, I pray. May he be made much of. May he be lifted high. May he increase and may I decrease, God. God, I pray that your word would edify the believers here this evening. And God, if anyone doesn't know you, God, that you might save Lord. And God, we pray that you would be glorified through and through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 reads as follows. 
For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. So if you're taking notes, a very simple outline uh, for this passage this evening would be this. One, cost. Two, stewardship. Three, mystery made known. Once again, cost, stewardship, mystery made known. So you'll hear these uh, teased out as we walk through the passage this evening. And so if you look back at verse one, Paul says, for this reason, referring back to the verses in chapters, chapter two, verses 11 through 22, we studied these a few weeks ago. Uh, anybody remember what it was about? Uh, just in thinking about what it was about? Well, it was about the glorious truth about Jesus, his life, his death, his burial and resurrection, making Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles being non-Jews, one family, one family, and that he's building us. So Jews and Gentiles and all of us here, Gentile, uh, non-Jews, and that he's building us together into a dwelling place for God, the church. So we looked at that a couple of weeks ago and in all of his beauty and, and, and what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is like, in light of this truth, so for this reason, or in light of this truth, I've become a prisoner for Christ Jesus. So he's a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles, as the text says. Paul was literally locked up for preaching the gospel and specifically preaching it to Gentiles, inviting them to experience the same salvation like Jewish believers. You remember a couple of weeks ago, our brother Brock uh, even teased this out even beautifully, Lord. Uh, just about, man, how uh, Jews and Gentiles were at odds and, and how the Gentiles were, man, like, um, yeah, considered the low of the lows. And, and we even talked about a few weeks before that about how there was, um, there was a, a barrier between Jews and Gentiles, right? So there was a physical, literal wall that separated Jews from Gentiles. But then also, as we looked at the text a few weeks back, there was a spiritual wall. So they were separated physically and spiritually. So we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And so you remember back in chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So if you're a Christian here this evening, this is your story. This is my story. That before Jesus saved us, uh, it, was, it was 
It was that we were alienated from God, separated from God, that we had no hope, and that we were without God in the world until in verse 13 of chapter 2, Jesus brought us all near to him. Amen? That's what it says. Chapter 2, verse 13. What does it say? It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So none of us in this room who bear the name of Jesus came to Jesus on our own. Jesus brought us near in his grace, in his mercy. We were all alienated, separated, physically and spiritually, until Jesus brought us near by his grace. So Paul was locked up for preaching the message of the gospel that calls all people near to God, and he took pride in it. He says, look, what does he say? He says, on behalf of you Gentiles. In other words, Paul is like, I'm locked up because of y'all. But it's cool because this was God's plan for me. This was God's plan for Paul. God called Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, We learned this as early. uh, So we learned this in other places in scripture. But look down with me a few verses in chapter 3, verse 8. And we'll see it here. It says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me. Sorry, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of of Christ. And so preaching to the Gentiles, preaching the gospel cost Paul his freedom and eventually his life. And it will cost us. It will cost us. How many of us, by a show of hands, have lost someone or something for the sake of the gospel? Anybody lost something, lost someone? for the sake of the gospel. Jesus never promised that following him would be peaches and cream. He actually said it would cost us something. Whether it's family, friends, freedom, or our lives, living for Jesus will cost us something. In your time this week, just as a refresher, or maybe this is new, go back and read Luke 14, Verses 25 to 33. Luke 14, 25 to 33. Or 2 Timothy 3:12 from Paul, as he wrote there. So we may lose our crew or our cool status, our comforts, but we gain Christ. We gain Christ, and he is so much better. Amen? We may lose everything, lose everybody, But we gain the Lord Jesus. He is worth it. So may we be bold with the gospel in Congress Heights family, not afraid to proclaim Christ no matter what may come, no matter what has already come for a lot of us, and no matter what else might come for us. I was at a a gathering yesterday. where we gathered with uh, other faith leaders and police. The chief was there. It was really cool to meet the chief and everything along those lines and other community advocates. And they were just talking about 
man, just, just the violence in our community. And um, just talking about, you know, ways to come together as churches, faith leaders and community advocates and police and everybody to come together and, and, and seek to work together. And this, is, this isn't something that's just started. They've been working for over 20 plus years in the community to, to seek uh, peace. Um, one statistic they were just kind of making note of, in the last 365 days alone, D.C. has seen a 14% increase in homicides, with six of the 86 victims being juveniles. And so the, the, the need is just real, man. And people are losing their lives in the streets. There's a lot happening outside these four walls 24-7. And so as saints, man, we need to continue to pray. We need to continue to be out there on the block, loving on our neighbors, sharing the gospel, reaching out to the community, reaching out to those on our blocks, et cetera, et cetera. And by God's grace, day by day, one step with his spirit, may we see change. May we see change. So that's, that's my hope. I hope that's you all's hope. But in the midst of that, we will experience persecution. In the midst of that, we may experience some type of challenge. In the midst of all of that, we may experience some particular discomforts. Jesus promised it. Jesus said it would happen. So may none of us be surprised and, and taken aback when these things might come on the account of, man, us striving to be faithful with proclaiming the good news of our Savior. So persecution or even death for the Christian leads to life, life in the Lord Jesus. Listen to Jesus's words to every Christian to not fear. This is what he says. He says uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he says, uh, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Or another verse, and may this be our response when we may experience persecution or different challenges or different things along those lines that may come our way for, for being faithful witnesses of the cross. Uh, remember Acts 5.41? Uh, when the believers were, were beaten for preaching the gospel and they were locked up and things along those lines. Listen to their response. This is what it says in Acts 5, 41. It says, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. May that, may that be our response. May we, may we, may we know uh, that Man, through death, through persecution, through challenge, through whatever the case may be, for the believer comes life. Life. Life in him. And to experience that for all of eternity. So maybe not fear, maybe we bold. I'm not saying we go out here and we just uh, go and get killed or anything along those lines or get shot or whatever the case may be. What I'm saying is, if that comes, if that happens, maybe be reminded 
that the brothers and sisters that have gone before us all throughout the scriptures experience these particular things. Our brothers and sisters uh, overseas, even right now, probably as I'm preaching, are living out Acts 541. So, may we, as a church, be bold with the gospel on the blocks, in our workplaces, everywhere where the Lord might lead us. May we be bold with the good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Which leads to responsibility or stewardship, as you may be taking notes. And so, which leads to the responsibility that Paul had and that we all have as Christians uh, look back with me at verse 2. See the word stewardship there? It says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Paul had been given stewardship or responsibility with the gospel to share it with the Gentiles. We, we, we learned this from Acts chapter 9 when Paul was converted. Uh, you remember what went down there? You remember what went down? When Paul was converted, well, Paul was persecuting and killing Christians. Uh, this was his job. The Lord knocks him to his knees, saves him, and then sends him on mission to proclaim the gospel. There was a believer by the name of Ananias who the Lord told to go chop it up with Paul. And he was like, he was like, I don't know, Lord. You know what this man has done to believers like myself. The Lord tells him to still go and shed some light on the purpose he had for Paul. And here's what he said. Here's what the Lord said to Ananias in Acts 9.15. He says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So we see that Paul is given stewardship of the gospel message to proclaim it. And this is what the stewardship is in its basic sense of the meaning. It's from God to us for others. Once again, this is what the, in this text, this is what in its basic meaning of stewardship, what God has done, he's, he's given us a stewardship of the gospel. He gave it to Paul, he gave it to us as Christians. It's from God to us for others. For us as well, but for others. This is the stewardship of the gospel. We see that clear in verse 2 as we just read. Paul says the stewardship of God's grace was given to him for the Gentiles. So once again, from God to him or to us for others. For others. So my question for us this evening is, is, how are we doing with that stewardship this evening? God has entrusted all of us with the gospel. Not just pastor, not just the missions pastor, not just uh, the evangelists, everybody. God has given us all a stewardship of the gospel. Did you know that you had a responsibility, like Paul here, like all Christians, to be about sharing the good news of Christ? 
And I guess the first question for us as believers, the first question that we need to answer before we get to that really is this. Do you cherish the gospel? Do I, do we cherish the good news about Jesus? Do we see it as our only hope? Do we see it as the world's only hope? Because it is. The gospel is the good news about Jesus and what he has done in his body, living a life that you and I could never live, dying a death that we all deserve, rising from the dead on the third day, offering life to all who would put their trust in him by faith, And when we received that message at conversion, man, we looked at this uh, a few weeks or months ago when we were studying other books and whatnot, but just thinking about we never outgrow our need for the gospel. It's not just at conversion that we need the gospel. No, no, no. We, we need the gospel every day. We need to keep coming to the gospel every day. It's, 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 it's not one stair, it's the whole staircase. It's, it's, it's not just the swimming pool, it's the whole ocean. And it's vast. And it's, it's deep. The depths of the gospel is deep. And we are constantly, continuously growing and learning. And we forget it. So we need to remind ourselves of the gospel as Christians. So it's the good news. So do we cherish it? Do we love it? We love Jesus. Second, then, so after we answer the question, do we cherish it? And if we cherish it, if we know it as the only hope, then we would share it. We would share it as the only hope. Because it's the only hope that we have. It's the only hope that saved us. And it's the only hope that will save anybody that we know in our family member, like family members, friends. I'm reminded of Sister Nikki, you were talking about your cousin, what, a couple of weeks back or so, or a week ago or something like that, and just how the Lord saved her cousin, and he was baptized after a, a, a season of long prayer that she was praying, and I'm sure other family members were, and friends were praying for this brother, and then he gets baptized. Ah, the gospel is the only hope. The gospel is the only hope that this young man grabbed hold to and was changed by. And this is the same good news that we have grabbed hold to, or God has rather allowed us to grab hold to. He saved us. He's changed us. And he's still in the business of changing people. Amen? Amen? So maybe be about sharing it regularly. Or... Maybe you're here this evening and you're like, man, like, Pastor Josh, I agree with that. I understand. Man, I, you know, I cherish it. I love it. I, I want to share it, but I don't really know how. I don't, I don't really know how to share it. Um, and that's okay. And as a church, we would, we would like to help. Um, and so on, on, on one of those ends, man, we just want to keep it simple, right? You know, we just want to encourage you to read the Bible with somebody. You know what I mean? Like, like, read the Bible with whoever that friend is or that family member uh, that you are, by God's grace, wanting to see come to faith. Start to, start to see if you can read the Bible with them. Um, start to spark up, you know, just 
chill conversations about the gospel, just, you know, just talking about Jesus, sharing about what the Lord has done, sharing about, you know, a message you hear on Sunday and, and then taking that to that family member or friend and just starting, you know, one inch, I mean, one step at a time to chip away uh, in those conversations. But then also, the, the other thing that I would share is that um, me and Brother Rick have been talking about uh, doing, and, and he's been doing this, you know, with ARC, and, and even, um, you know, we did this sometime in the pandemic, but an evangelistic training, evangelism training uh, in breakfast. And so, you know, we go out on the first Sunday of each month for the prayer walk, but then on the third Sunday, uh, we go out for water and word, right, uh, to share the gospel. But one of the things that we're going to start doing on the third Sunday of each month uh, before we go out at one o'clock for water and word is to do an evangelism training and breakfast. All right. So that we can come together and chop it up and be equipped and encouraged uh, and, and then sit out. And so more details to come about that here soon. Uh, but want to go ahead and put that on your radar that that's something that we've been talking about and, and hope to start, Lord willing, this upcoming month in July. So we want to want to encourage you to come to that. You know, if you're here, we can all use some training and growing. Uh, we, we, the encouragement, the fellowship, be great to all come together to pray, to be trained, to be equipped, and then go out as we seek to share the gospel. So join us for that. Join us for prayer, the prayer walk. Join us for the third Sunday. And then lastly, what I would share is just be intentional. Be intentional. Uh, one of the things uh, that I've seen happen, you know, in, in different churches or just different movements um, is that people start these little like kind of campaigns, if you will. I use that loosely, but kind of like, like, who's your one? Who's your one? To keep it very simple, who is that one person that you're praying for and that you're seeking to share the gospel with each week? Who is that one person? I want you to be intentional about that. So as we leave from here, you know, this evening, man, or even now, be noodling on that, be thinking on that, like, and then be intentional starting tomorrow of, of reaching out to that one person. Just reach out to them. Show them some love. And start to get, you know, start to dive into those different conversations. But be intentional about that, right? So we want to encourage you to do that. And we want to do that as a church each week. We want to all be intentional about, man, like, who is our one person? And I want to encourage all of us in here to be asking one another about that. Asking, holding each other accountable to that. Like, who are you reading the Bible with? Who, who have you shared the gospel with lately? You know what I'm saying? Like, let us, as a church body, be intentional and accountable to one another as it relates to sharing our faith. Amen? Amen. So just, just some simple ways uh, that we are seeking to to be faithful witnesses to the cross. And if you're, if you're here this evening and you're, you're not a Christian, your first step would be, would to be believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. We've been talking about it already this evening, but it's, it's the good news about Jesus and what he has done for you in your place. You're a sinner, so a, agree with God about your sin and, and that your sin is an offense to him. That he created you, 
in his image, after his likeness, but that you have rebelled. Like all of us, rebel, sin against God. And because of our sin, we are due the judgment, the wrath from God. But then that Jesus comes and he steps in your place and he lives a perfect, sinless life because he's God and he dies in your place. And he's laying in the grave, but praise God, hallelujah, he didn't stay there long. He got up on the third day and through his resurrection, he offers life, eternal life to all who would repent. Repent meaning to turn away from those sins, to turn away from those things and turn to him in faith, in belief, in trust, only in what he has done alone. And when you do that, ah, you can, man, you can, as brothers and sisters are here gathered this evening who know him, you can say, man, I, I bear the same name of Christ. I know him now because of the good news of Jesus and repenting and believing by faith. I want to invite you to do that this evening. If you haven't done it already, if you don't know him, that would be your first step. And today, get in one of those uh, Bible studies with a brother and sister here to start to grow with and learn more about Jesus. So back to walking through the passage. In verse 3, uh, Paul talks about this mystery and says it was made known to him. So the majority of the time when we see mystery in Paul's writings, he's referring to the mystery of the gospel. For example, look at Ephesians 6, 19. Uh, turn over a couple of pages and just see it. Here it's 6, 19. So after challenging the Ephesian Christians to pray, Paul didn't ask for prayer. Listen to Ephesians 6, 19. He says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So the text also says that this mystery was made known to him by revelation. In other words, God revealed to him what the mystery was. He also says he has written about it briefly, referring to what he's written so far in the book of Ephesians. So you see that in verse, turn back over. You see that here in verse 3 where he says, as I've written about it briefly. So what he's referring to is, as I just said, what he's already written about uh, so far in the book of Ephesians. In chapter 1, you know, he walks through this glorious, just praise about God and him being Trinity and how that all works out for the believer. And then in chapter 2, he talks about how we're dead in our sins and trespasses in need of saving. Then what we've looked at a couple of weeks back, he talks about how he has made us one family in Christ. And so then when we pick up here, what he's talking about, he's like, I've written about this briefly, and now I've teased this out some here as well. So you even see him saying that as they read, they'll pick, pick up that he has insight into the truth 
of the mystery, as it says in verse 4. So then when we read verse 5, it's pretty simple. This mystery wasn't revealed to other men in other generations before it has been now revealed to the apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Essentially, it had been revealed to those who were prisoners, sorry, not prisoners, pioneers of the church. So when he talks about the apostles and the prophets, he's talking about those who built the church, founded the church. We see that a couple of verses up that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. So it was revealed to those pioneers of the church a mystery more glorious than that of Dick Tracy or Inspector Gadget had to solve. One that only the God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, and all living creatures could make possible and had to reveal. And the mystery is made so clear and plain in verse 6. So what is this mystery? Look back at verse 6 with me. This is the mystery that he's been teeing up this entire time. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So as we've been talking about already, and what we've seen a couple of weeks back is that man, the Gentiles were separated. They were excluded. They were alienated from all things Christ and his family. But God has now included the Gentiles. He's brought them near. And don't miss this. Look at what it says at the end of verse 6. Don't miss it. It says, through the gospel. Through the gospel. This is made possible. The reason why we're gathered this evening is because of the gospel. It's because God in the gospel, this mystery of the gospel, has taken people from all different backgrounds. All, man, all different ethnicities. Ages. Everything. He has made us one family. We can hallelujah that, amen. We can, we can praise God for that. This is amazing what God has done. That he has taken all the people in Israel and every other church that has gathered already today and that might be gathering right now all over the world and has made them a people, a people for his own possession, for his own delight. This wouldn't have been possible had Jesus not come and lived and died and risen from the dead so that we would all experience salvation and experience it as a people together made up of all these different ethnicities, backgrounds, likes, dislikes, preferences, etc., etc. He died so that we might know him and be one family and be on mission together. Amen? So that's why when we think about racism, we think about any other ism, that's why it's bonkers. That's why it's crazy. Because this is a, a, a total onslaught to God and to the gospel. That's why, as Christians, that we are to be the ones leading out front in conversations, I believe, about race. 
Because in the scriptures, it's clear that God has, and, and even when we think about Revelation, right? When we think about Revelation, when we think about what heaven is going to look like, there's going to be people from all different nations, tribes, tongues, around the throne praising God. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be glorious. So when we think about what God has done through the gospel, he has made us one family. And this is the message that we are called to go proclaim. We are called to go proclaim the gospel and invite others into this family, this glorious family that God has built and that he is uh, sustaining and that he is at work in and through. Amen? Amen. So as we, as we close this evening, uh, and as the, the band comes back up, the worship team comes back up, let us just be reminded that this is the mystery of the gospel that God has revealed. And that this is the message that has been revealed to us and that we get to share week in and week out. That we get to see on display week in and week out as the church gathers. And as we leave out these doors, as we get to share. So may we be the type of church that stewards this gospel message well. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to do just that, Lord, to steward your truth well, your truth uh, that has saved us, that has changed us, that has uh, given us life, given us joy, peace, hope that we didn't have before, that was granted through you. God, would you help us, Lord, to be the type of family that you have ordained, that you have designed, that when we think about all of our differences, different preferences, dislikes, likes, height, all these different things, whatever it might be, all the differences, Lord, that in your sight is beautiful. And it should be beautiful to us that you have made us one family and that our differences are okay, but that we can be unified in the gospel. And so may we be unified on what you desire for us to be unified on. And that being you, that being your message, that being your truth. And may it be a picture to the world so when we leave out of these four walls, that it might be a picture to, man, the, the, the blocks and areas that we are chopping it up on, Lord, may it be a picture to the brothers and sisters of your love and your desire for them to be a part of this family 
and other churches in our area, Lord, families of churches, and that you would do something radical, God, that you would do something far beyond what we even imagine or think, God, that you would cause a revival, God, in Congress Heights, in Anacostia, in Lincoln Heights, all over, Lord, throughout the city and throughout the world. Would you do that for your namesake? Would you do that for your glory? For the salvation of many souls? And God, help us, Lord, as we play a small part in that, to be faithful witnesses of your name. We pray. Amen.